I'm a big proponent of CBD to tonify the endocannabinoid system, which regulates many of our most critical bodily functions, such as learning and memory, emotional processing, sleep, temperature, and pain control, and inflammatory and immune responses. The CBD brand that I take and recommend to my patients is Plus CBD from CV Sciences, which is now proud to introduce a new innovation to their reserve collection a sleep gummy. The Reserve Collection is a specially curated blend of full-spectrum cannabinoids, including THC. Rich and bold, the Reserve Collection products are for when intense support is needed. Reserve sleep gummies build on their unique Reserve Collection formula with effective sleep-focused ingredients to better prepare you for bed each night. Wake up feeling refreshed, energized, and ready to take on the day with Reserve Sleep Gummies. All of Plus CBD's products are backed by science with clinically researched active ingredients. To learn more and to order, visit pluscbdoil.com Hoffman and use coupon code Hoffman30 for 30% off. That's pluscbdoil.com Hoffman for Plus CBD's new Reserve Collection Sleep Gummies. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman, today with Layla Mutant, because it's our weekly Q&A with Layla. And we're entertaining your questions. Questions can be sent to questions at drhoffman.net. And I was just reflecting, you know, while I was trying not to fall on the ice this morning, about another thing, Mm -hmm. which is how much I enjoy doing podcasts. And you do podcasts. Yes. And I do podcasts. And one of the reasons I do podcasts is... It's as a as a job. It's a great job because it it's a learning process. It is. And as we answer questions, and I field questions from the audience, and you field questions, and as we pick topics to address, we are forced to bone up yeah. and improve our knowledge about these topics. Right. And for me, getting uh, essentially a, uh, paid to do this kind of work uh-huh. is. Is it doesn't get any better than that, right? You know, so right. uh, I appreciate that you are an audience for our musings. Yeah, I hope that you find them helpful. But uh, thanks very much for supporting occupational therapy for uh, Layla and me, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> because we really enjoy doing this. We do. Um, so we have a question about muscular dystrophy. Yeah, this comes from MJ. Hi, Dr. Hoffman and Layla. My 61-year-old sister has myotonic muscular dystrophy type 2. She has use of her limbs but is slow to get around, is often cold, and takes Lyrica for pain, which she's trying to wean from with CBD and cannabis. She does not believe in supplements, but I have convinced her to at least take magnesium and fish oil. The doctors give her no options other than drugs which mess her up. Can you recommend supplements for someone? Okay. With this? So, first of all, what mm-hmm. is muscular dystrophy? Muscular dystrophy is actually a collection of diseases that I are genetic. I think of Jerry, Jerry Lewis's telethon right. as a child. Right, right. It, it and is. you'll never walk alone, <laughs> that he would sing at the end of it. Yes. At the end of the 24 hours. I'm sorry, I, I, I digress. No, yeah. it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so, but the problem with muscular dystrophy is that it's genetic, mm. and so it is not um, an inflammatory disorder. You know where we might use inflammatory strategies. It is not a condition that is so much about uh, a nutritional pathway. Um, so uh, it makes it a little harder 
to treat it. I'm not saying it precludes the possibility that nutrients can have an impact on them. So there are two ways that we would approach a problem for which there's not a conventional treatment. So for example, we let's pick an example of something where we know there is a plausible treatment. For example, uh, migraines. Yeah. In my, there's studies that show that riboflavin is helpful for migraines. There's studies that show that magnesium is helpful for yeah. migraines. Fever there are studies of essential fatty acids, some studies. You know, Butterbur. Yeah. yeah. There, yeah. There, so there are studies, and they actually yeah. show that these, these things. For uh, muscular dystrophy, there are very few, if any, studies. Yeah. So sometimes when we're approaching, when we see a condition where people, there are no studies, we'll just say, let's optimize you in general. So let's get you on a very clean diet. Let's optimize your vitamin and mineral intake. Maybe give you some things that support muscular uh, energy production and yes. muscular function. And mitochondria. And, and stuff. we might we might uh, you know grab the ring and and have some success. Uh, but it's more of a non-specific, non-target, non-laser-like mm-hmm. you know lock and key kind of treatment. It's a more generalized nutritional support. So I think that there's room for nutritional support. So, for example, a, a weak uh, young man with muscular dystrophy, uh, we might check his testosterone. Why? Not because testosterone and low testosterone is the cause of muscular dystrophy, but if his testosterone is low, it's going to have an adverse effect on his already declining muscle yes, strength. Yes. So we, that, that might be a ancillary treatment. Right. And by the way, the treatment Support for muscular system. dystrophy in the future is going to be gene, gene modification. They're going to use uh, uh, you know, CAR T-cell, you know... Uh, they're going to do a CRISPR technology, CRISPR, yeah. mm-hmm. something? Right, yeah, CRISPR. You know, just gene editing. Yeah, yeah. gene editing. To fix right. it. Okay? So, much as they now have pioneered the use of that in uh, sickle cell... Um, and by the way, in sickle cell, they can cure sickle cell, but unfortunately... Uh, it's a very expensive, arduous treatment. You have to go get a yeah. bone marrow transplant, and there is a higher incidence of certain malignancies afterwards. Wow! Uh, but you know, it's a small price to pay for a lifetime of debilitating pain and a shortened lifespan with with sickle cell. Yeah. So the treatment has to be pretty clean and effective and side effect free for it to be warranted for mm-hmm. muscular dystrophy. And plus, it could cost you know two million dollars per treatment. You know, we got to get. True. We need an economy of scale for these treatments. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing that I thought of is creatine. Mm. Uh, studies have shown, they say, uh, that creatine can improve strength and performance in children with, uh, with uh, muscular dystrophy. Uh, they are unclear as to their, whether there's lasting or long-term um, benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know... Uh, you know, I would optimize the nutrients. I would check for, you know, deficiencies and uh, maybe supplement coenzyme Q10 for energetics or NAD for energetics, yeah. you know, things like that. Maybe. Nicotinamide, riboside. Maybe. Bit, yeah. But without... Carnitine. But without like a, a slam dunk. Uh, but supportive. Yeah. Supportive uh, uh, nutrition for it. Oh, boy. Okay. All right, MJ. Thank you. Uh, but the creatine. Yeah. So the creatine dose. I would go. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of go high. I would go to like uh, you know maybe two teaspoons per day, which is about ten grams per day. Mm. Uh, that's usually well tolerated, and it's more than I take for general athletic 
performance and support. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it may be that higher doses are required for a debilitating muscle condition. Yeah. Wow. Wow. MJ, best of luck. But there is th- yeah. there that there is scientific literature on that. Mm-hmm. But um, in terms of vitamins. Vitamin D uh, can be, you know, it's will, helpful in pain syndromes. It's also in, in. It's said to improve muscle weakness, and maybe it could yeah, be helpful. Yeah, it could be something, right? You know. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like there's like imagine there's a lamp that's flickering, okay, and the lamp that's flickering, and you look at the electrical cord and the and the 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 wire is frayed. Yeah. So maybe one way of getting the lamp to light up more is to send more current through the through the frayed wire, and that would be pushing the creatine through mm-hmm. there. Uh, but ultimately, what you want to do is fix the wire. Yes. And that has to be done through a genetic. That's the gene uh, editing. You're talking yeah, right. Right. Frayed wire. Yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. MJ, best of luck to you and your sister. By the way, I had I had that once in I had in my apartment. It was like I have like three three uh, like recess lights, and I would turn on the light, and uh, the three would go on, and then one would flicker out. Huh? Flicker out, flicker out. Now your husband, who's a contractor and knows electrical, he probably could figure it out. Yeah. We had an electrician in, and he just like fixed it. And it I, it wasn't that it wasn't a light bulb, and it, and I tried to screw it in all different ways. Right. It wasn't a loose light bulb. I don't know. So it had it to something do with like maybe circuitry, something in the wiring. Circuitry, circuitry or right. something, right? Yeah. yeah. But they fixed it. <laughs> okay. Good point at which to pause uh, yes. for an opportunity for one of our sponsors to share an important message with you. So listen up. Here goes. You know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. That's why I partnered with Fullscript, an online dispensing platform that only offers curated professional-grade brands that I know and trust. The very same supplements that I prescribe to my patients and take myself. Never counterfeit or expired, always stored and shipped correctly. Just go to DearHoffmanStore.com to start your free Fullscript account. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site. It's safe, secure, and HIPAA-compliant and offers world-class support. Fullscript also gives you access to my custom targeted supplement protocols that combine the products that I recommend to address specific needs, heart health, immune support, and much more. Just go to DearHoffmanStore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll get access to the supplements and features you need to help you achieve your wellness goals. That's DearHoffmanStore.com. DearHoffmanStore.com. Thanks for listening and thanks for supporting our sponsors. They are what make Intelligent Medicine continuing free resource to you. And now back to our questions. Uh, We've got a question from Karen. Hi, Dr. Hoffman and Layla. I have a question about B12. What kind and how much B12 should a senior male take? Is it necessary for him to get his B12 level tested? And if so, what's an ideal range? Now, we know the normal range is between like 200 and 800, 1200. But we like to see it up over 900 or so. Right. Well, at, yeah. we, at, at, even when it's like 425 or something like that, I would suggest that if people are experiencing some degree of impairment, yeah. um, that, and that, that's mostly neurological impairment. Yeah. 
um, so fatigue yeah. or mood problems um, that we would want to get it higher. You know, mm -hmm. like or say someone's having cognitive problems and they say, well, your B12 is fine. It's like 380. Well, what's the cutoff is 200. Well, maybe work a little harder because Absolutely. we know that uh, some people benefit from pushing the B12 methylation pathway mm -hmm. a little harder. Yeah. And so what type is yeah. best is the next question. The white type is best. And this would depend maybe a little bit on that MTHFR yes. mutation. Yeah, yeah. We would, if, especially if you've got, uh, if you're homozygous for six, C6, 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 seven, seven. Yeah. Actually, it's 1298 that's more B12 dependent. So okay. if you got B12, if you got a 1298, we would want B12 to be a little higher. Not everybody has access to these genetic tests. Mm -hmm. uh, we order them sometimes. Yeah. But um, I would but, say a methyl B12. Now, there's an yeah. exception to that. Yes. And where I think one should exercise caution with really high dose B12 is in cancer because we don't want to hypermethylate some of the uh, cancer um, uh, suppressor genes. I see. Because when we, let's put it this way, yeah, when we, we hypermethylate a suppressor gene, uh, it, can, it suppresses, um, let's see, in fact, it's a... It suppresses tumor necrosis? No, it, it suppresses, no. It suppresses the, let's see, you want, it's, I'm just double negative here, you want to... I hate uh, the double you want to suppress the promoters and right. promote the suppressors, <laughs> right? So right, anyway. right, right, right. So anyway, right. so okay. it, it, it's the so the notion is I have some patients where they've had cancer recently, and okay, here's an example: Get, have a patient with cancer, this, mm -hmm. and there's a few patients like this. I put them on metformin because I think metformin has anti-cancer effects. Yeah. But I, I, for example, I have one guy, and you know very well who we're talking mm -hmm. about. Uh, we've been treating him for a very aggressive prostate cancer, and he's been doing okay for about 15 years. Yeah. With with something where his prognosis was not great, you know, maybe 60% mm -hmm. chance of dying within five years. Mm -hmm. Well, he's around, and his and his PSA is like low, very low. So he's doing very well. Um, and I have him on metformin. Then I noticed that. His B12 was like 200. It was in the basement. Oh, my it was goodness. It under 200, I think. Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. Because metformin de depresses B12. So I have a dilemma. Do I want to give him B12, which might stimulate cancer growth mm. by being a methylating agent, mm. or do I, want to, um, do I want to avoid the B12, but then... He runs the risk of a neurological disorder. Right. And by the way, he's developing Parkinson's disease. Yeah. yeah. But that's just made it be irrelevant because yeah. he's, he's getting older. Uh, so what I did is I gave him a... Uh, uh, the Goldilocks dose of B12. I gave him, no, I gave him, I gave him B12 that was non-methylating. So right. it's, it's like... Uh, um, the cyano, cyanocobalamin. Cyanocobalamin. or cobalamin. Yeah. Or right. like a different form of B12. Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, and Karen, it is. It does become necessary for an older person to have their B12 level checked. I think, yes. as a matter of you right. know your standard testing and stuff, yeah. because older people they lose intrinsic factor mm -hmm. in their GI tract. I forget yes. where in the GI tract that exactly occurs, but the intrinsic factor goes down, so they have less capacity. 
mm-hmm. to metabolize it properly, and they may naturally become low in B12 yep. for that reason. So, yeah, it's worth checking. Definitely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the lack of intrinsic factors due to an autoimmune uh, condition um, that uh, uh, damages the parietal cells. So you have anti-parietal cell antibodies, and this mm. is, you know, mm-hmm. kills off your B12 absorption. Mm-hmm. It's a, and, it, you know, we, we actually have patients with peripheral neuropathy. You know, we just saw one. Uh, you know, the uh, patient we have who's had uh, good results with his peripheral neuropathy, where we gave him the B1 and the B12 and the acetyl-L-carnitine, uh, and, and it really turned and it around. And he's now having much less in the way of foot uh, problems. Yeah. Um, he's had yeah. diabetes. Of course, his blood sugar is much better controlled now. Mm-hmm. So, and that makes a uh, difference. B12 is among the nutrients that helps peripheral neuropathy, which is a surprisingly common problem. Mm-hmm. Okay, Karen, thank you for that question. Delana has a question. I'm 83, about blood pressure and aged garlic and things like that. I'm 83. I walk, I hike, I bike, I ski, all that. Terrific. Although at a much so there's, slower there's place. There's hope for me? Yeah. <laughs> but of course. Wait a minute. I just, just yeah. as a digression, I, yeah. I, this is a cute story. This is, they, they just did an analysis on a, uh, and I just, I'm saving the story for the weekend program, uh, on a 93 year old guy who is a, a champion rower. You uh-huh. know, and, uh, he works out, uh, fairly consistently. And they've done like a complete analysis on him. And he has some amazing attributes physically at 93. He has one of the highest recorded pulse rates during exercise, which is actually a good thing. If you can get your pulse rate up and you tolerate that, wow. it's like in the 150s. Now, at Fantastic. the highest level of exercise for me, I think I can get him maybe in the 130s or maybe 140, but I can't get that high yet. And I'm like 20 years younger than him, more than 20 years younger than him. Uh, so the other thing about him is they look at his VO2 max, his oxygen yeah. utilization, and his VO2 max is really, really astounding for a 93-year-old. It's comparable to a lot of, you know, the well-conditioned 30- or 40-year-old. So what he's kind of proof of concept that you can mm-hmm. uh, achieve that. And what's interesting about him, too, is he retired and got bored at around 70 and decided to get into rowing. Oh. So for the past 20 years, he's been training, you know, pretty uh, religiously. Rowing is a fantastic exercise. Yeah. and it re- It's more full total body than, than it, you would think. It's total body, and it's also very aerobic. Yeah. Um, you need a really good lung power. So uh, he, so that that's of interest. So just for the heck of it, you know, I, I, I didn't realize this, but your Apple Watch, mm-hmm. if you dig through the data... It records everything you're doing while you're exercising. You're exercising with my Apple Watch on. And it gives you a readout of your VO2 max. And um, my VO2 max on that was 37.5. Mm-hmm. And so I said, well, okay, 37.5, that's not very meaningful because I think it's going to be based on age. Okay. So I looked at a table of age, you know, of what a VO2 max means. Mm-hmm. And for... You know, a 20 or 30 year old, 37.5 is kind of not great. Mm-hmm. It's like midland. But as you age, it turns out that a 37.5 puts me around the 90th to 95th percentile of my age group. Oh, wow. 70 to 75. Yeah. Um, but there are at very high levels people in their 
70s who have a VO2 max that's like 50, mm -hmm. which is really like elite performance. Wow. Uh, it's, I think, uh, uh, Olympic athletes, you know, in their prime could be like maybe 60, 70 or something like that. Coming back to the heart rate, you said he could reach 150, but you said you were only getting to 130. Right. But doesn't that, isn't that about how strong your heart is that it doesn't have to beat at 150? Well, it, it's true. Do you know I what mean, I mean? There are some people who are, you know, at rest their heart rate is 150. That's not good either. No. They're, they're, they're but an athletic person will have a 48 resting right. heartbeat because it, it's that strong right, right. that when it does, that you never need to go that high. Right. And it's still... But, you know, typically as you, you know, they say, you know, what's your optimal, uh, whatever, your optimal heart rate with exercise? And it's supposed to be the formula, and it's very formulaic, which is not good. There is. 220 minus your age. Minus your age, so yeah. So if you're 20 years old, it should be, what, 200? I don't think so. That's not great. Wow. I'm not yeah. sure that's a good, you know. Yeah. But in, in middle age, it kind of works out because uh, I think... Uh, there were times when, when I was younger, I could get my heart rate up to 160. Mm -hmm. I no longer can, nor I don't think it's desirable. You know, it's like, you know, if you when you're exercising and you feel like, like a fish that's just been pulled out of water and is flopping around on the deck, maybe that's not a good place to be. Right. You know, in a right, state right, right, of right, right. absolute, you know, breathlessness. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, it, it could be a, a Put an extra stress on your heart, you know, and it. That that's what I mean. Yeah, that's what I mean. So. So it, I so I actually look at my heart rate, and I look at my heart rate during races, and if sometimes it's like, oh my god, I'm, I'm getting to the red zone here, I better slow down. It's like, yeah, we're dying. <laughs> you know, it's like first rule of, you know, triathlons for people over fifty is, don't die. Don't die. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway, anyway, so, so back to the question. So Delana, it's commendable. She's eighty-three. She's eighty-three. Walks, hikes, rides, bike rides, ski, albeit at a much slower pace. I've used Kyolic Age garlic extract for a long time, along with nitric oxide, ubiquinol, plus twenty-five other for supplements blood pressure. for blood pressure. My BP was low enough to use hydrochlorothiazide only one time per month. I never heard of that. That's so that unusual. Is, that, that is because unusual. Because like, that means like one diuresis per month because it's a water pill. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well. I finally got COVID in 2023 while on a Viking riverboat cruise. Okay. Since then, my... Oh, I'm on a Viking riverboat cruise, uh, out of about 90 people, about 13, 11 of them were taken off the boat really? that I was on. Oh, I didn't get it. But, uh, that you were... Okay. Because yeah. you had taken that... Okay. Since then, my blood pressure has hovered around 133 over 84 or thereabouts. So I still have to take that's a BP not, medicine that's, every day now. See, that's not so bad. I'm not sure why you have to for that. 133 you know, over 84 is not eight, bad for an 83-year-old. For an 83-year-old, you know, look, there are certain circumstances where an 83-year-old should keep their blood pressure down. If they have, uh, say, an enlarged heart yeah. or if they have had a stroke, uh, you know, then congestive there's heart. a little oh, bit more of, concern. Yeah. Yeah. Congestive yeah. heart failure. Uh, where there's a little more concern that, uh, that would be problematic. Yeah. Uh, but in a healthy, you know, see, the problem is that 83 year olds have labile blood pressure and it might drop the blood pressure too low. Exactly. And then you'd feel dizzy and fall. But anyway, uh, which would be terrible but, if she's out on a hike. But I gotta say, um, or a bike ride. If she's tolerating that and it's keeping her blood pressure in a safe range, fine. Because, you know, guess what? As you get older, stuff stiffens up. 
Yeah. You know, you it it's you, you wake up in the morning and you're a little stiffer and your arteries are stiffer mm -hmm. and that is it just happens. Mm -hmm. Uh the your arteries lose their elasticity and if it's no great knock on you if you have to be on a little blood pressure medication if you're older. Right. If right. it if it's necessary. I mean, it might be overkill. I can't tell in the case yeah. of this person to tell the person that they don't need the medication because somebody had eyes on and said that she did, mm -hmm. but it sounds a little bit over... Uh, sounds like CYA. CYA and, and maybe overzealous to further optimize blood pressure. What do they want? They want 120 or 80, perfect blood pressure all the time. For an 83-year-old. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Delana, keep up the great work. Wow. Yeah. But you know, very I, active I, look, and This is another thing. I think that mm -hmm. some people, they're so health conscious, people listen to the show, and they're, they're, they feel like a sense of shame or a sense of uh, defeat oh. when they are told that they need to take a medication. No. I mean, some, I, you know, as I say to patients very often, I said, sometime on your path to being 105, you know, you may need an operation or you may need to take a medication. Right. It's like... Or some kind of treatment or something. It's the price you pay. Yeah. You know, for... <laughs> on your way to 105. Right. Exactly. You know. Exactly. So, yeah, Del Delana, maybe you're looking at it the wrong way. You're having to take a medication at 80, uh, at 83. It would be worse if you had to take a medication at, at 43, 53, at the, right? 83. The vast majority of people over 65 are taking two, three, four, five medications. Younger than that. Younger than that, though. I've got family members younger than me who yeah. are on two or three different medications because I don't know why. Quite, quite right. actually, I'm like, why are you taking that? Because yeah, yeah. my doctor said, yeah. okay. Aye, aye, sir, salute aye, aye. and yep. go. Yeah. All right. You, here's the other thing. I uh, read in the, this is the Wall Street Journal, uh, it's a very interesting phenomenon, is that on the one hand, uh, breast cancer uh, uh, survival is improving because of, you know, maybe we're detecting it earlier, but also we have better treatments and more targeted treatments. I don't think it's like every woman who has breast cancer needs to get a radical mastectomy anymore. Yeah. And the, you know, I think they're being more selective and they have... They're like, just opting for it so they don't have to do so much surveillance anymore. Sometimes they do. Which sometimes is very do. sad. Yeah. No, but, it's like that okay. Angelina Jolie type yes. situation. But anyway, um, what they're discovering though is that while treatments may be getting better for some cancers, mm -hmm. is that the incidence of cancer among people under 50 is skyrocketing. Huh. And it is, uh, in some cancers, it's up like 70, 80 yeah. percent. And particular for uh, colorectal cancer, mm -hmm. uh, even pancreatic cancer, and uh, a little bit for breast cancer. But what they're saying is, as a result, maybe they should start screening earlier because, but there's, you know, as the old song goes, there's something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear. Yeah. And there are environmental causes and lifestyle causes, dietary, you know, whether it's pollution, plastic microparticles, EMFs, uh, trauma, trauma, stress, poor diet, the introduction of like all mm -hmm. kinds of really crap foods yeah. into the system since. You know, these are young people, so they, they weren't around in the 1950s, 1960s, but since the 1990s, yeah. we've changed the way we've eaten in the last 30 years That's true. a lot. And uh, it, it is a disturbing trend. It is. Uh, it is. So. That, a lack of vitamin D, uh, I think a more sedentary lifestyle, lack of fresh air, all the, all the above. Yeah, but it's, it yeah. is... 
uh, it's a plague with a with a multifactorial uh, causes. Yeah. It, where we can't pinpoint a virus. Yeah. You know, or like the culprit, the single mm-hmm. culprit for it. Mm-hmm. But it yeah. is a concern. It is. Okay. On to another... Yeah, we have time for like a little short question. Actually, actually, we have a nice comment here Okay. Uh, from, from Louise. Thank you both so much for the explanation you gave on your Q&A regarding hemoglobin A1c and glucose disparity. Right. I can now say fully, I fully understand what both tests do and how they are used. Lots of info. I had to listen more than once. I love going back to a podcast to listen. Yeah. That was so interesting. I have to go back. I have to go back to that particular presentation slide again mm-hmm. and study it for a while or take a picture of it so I could look at it again and ponder it or something. I, I love that I kind of learning. I think that's a way of really studying rather than just having background noise. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, what I will point out is that uh, I did a podcast which I'm really happy about. Uh, I got a pitch from a guy who has written a book about CGMs, Continuous Glucose Monitors, yeah. for healthy people, non-diabetic people. Yes. Because it provides extraordinary insights into what food does to your blood sugar, right. which is very important. And I'm a big proponent of that. Now, mm-hmm. insurance sometimes doesn't cover it because they go, oh, you're not diabetic. We can, we're not going to pay for yeah. it. But it is an important uh, exploration for people to take. It's a great science fair project for you to undertake on your own. And to, it's not terribly expensive either. Yeah, and you can, and there are many ways you can get it. Mm-hmm. So listen to that podcast. It's going to post this week, and um, it's uh, and the uh, CGM reports are fantastic. It's with the doctor, yeah, Kolodzik. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and the CGMs uh, will plot your blood sugar over twenty four hours, and you'll see what the effects of meals are. You'll feel what see, like sleep deprivation. Yeah, what does exercise do? And you know all you don't have that. to be a diabetic or pre even a pre diabetic. No. It's very insightful. I think all pregnant women should do it because mm. they can see what the foods are doing, so they don't get gestational diabetes. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's it is such a teachable moment. You may discover that there are certain foods that you didn't suspect were spiking your blood sugar, right. and you can uh, smooth out your erratic blood sugar curves by avoiding certain foods. Right, right, right. And you want to. Very individual, because I asked the it guy, is. I said, it is. you know, what about the glycemic index? Doesn't it predict what's going to happen? You know, and I knew, I posed that question a little bit with them, mischievously, uh-huh. you know, and he said, no, because people, one person's meat is another man's poison, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, you know, it could be brown rice, which you think is really great for yes. you. Or, or, that, or that sweet potato. That bowl of oatmeal that you're yeah, having. Yeah, you know? that you're having and finding out, oh, look, my blood sugar just went up to 180. Or something after this meal. Yeah, yeah, and, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then subsequently plummeted back down to yeah. like 60. Mm-hmm. And then you feel like brain dead in the morning, you know, exactly. a couple hours later. Exactly. You want to copiously write down your diet diary while you have the CGM. It's typically a two-week right. uh, period of time. You want to write down what you're eating so you could get, you could really connect, collect the, uh, connect the dots right. on all of that kind of thing. And I asked him specifically yeah. about hemoglobin A1C, and he had the same answer that we gave. He yeah. said it can be illusory. You know, you could have what ostensibly is a normal hemoglobin A1C, but the excursions up exactly. and down. Exactly. You be have to remember, hemoglobin A1C is simply an average. average. Yes. Yes. It's an average. Yeah. You know what I wish would happen with CGMs? What? That they also collect information on insulin. Oh, that would be a great advantage. Because I had a patient That's a week ago that would be great that did the CGM, yeah. and it's like, oh, everything looks good, everything looks good, but you don't get a sense of insulin. 
there could be a whole lot right. of hyperinsulinism, hyperinsulinism that is keeping the blood right. sugar stable. This is what we used to do with the glucose tolerance test. Yes. Uh, is that we would have people sit down, they would take a sugar challenge, and we would walk at, not look at their, just their glucose, but we'd look at fasting insulin, insulin hour one, two, three, and four. Yeah. And we'd gain a lot of information because if you have a very, very high insulin response, even if your blood sugar is well controlled, yeah. it means that you've got problems. Yes. Yeah. Your blood sugars will be all in the normal range, but your insulin can be off the charts. Yeah. And that's already telling us where this is going. It's the hyperinsulin. before the hemoglobin A1C exactly. goes up. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like, you know, we're not getting the whole picture. We need to look behind the curtain. Yep. Yeah. Right? To see that the Wizard of Oz is really... And yeah. apropos of that yes. is... I looked, you know, because I'm sort of a, a tech geek. I was, you know, I, I, I looked at the prognostication about the new iteration of the Apple Watch, which would be like the kind of like the uh, the decade uh, uh, commemoration of the Apple Watch, the 10 year commemoration. It's going to be called the Apple X, Roman numeral X for 10. Ah. And it's going to come out in the fall. And one of the things that they're thinking, but they don't know because there's no, it's like predicting. You know, the weather. You don't know what Apple's going to come out with, whether they're going to meet the technological requirements or whether they're going to have a patent challenge to it, as they did with the blood, uh, the, the, uh, the blood oxygen mm -hmm. monitor that they had to take out because another company sued them. Mm. Um, they will, we think, have a blood sugar monitor incorporated in the Apple Watch. That would, that I, would be reason in, in and of itself for people to go get it. Oh, totally. Because yeah. imagine the amount of data we could collect mm -hmm. if like tens of millions of people had continuous glucose monitors that were non-invasive yeah. and cost like three, four hundred dollars, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. that they could wear all the time and gather information about all their activities and their diets yeah. and what the impact would be. That would be phenomenal. It would be. It really would. I'm a little skeptical as to whether it's going to happen. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm... But keep your Apple stock. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Don't sell it off. Well, well maybe. Sell, sell it off if you if you need to. You if know. you need a kitchen remodel or something, right? You can exactly. Sell some you know, <laughs> don't sell all of it. Sell don't sell all of it. <laughs> okay, good point okay. at which to pause, and just to want to remind people that uh, you know, we talk about supplements here on this program. Uh, one of the most reliable ways and safe ways mm -hmm. and efficient ways to get supplements is by shopping hundreds of curated vetted supplements, fully vetted in my full script dispensary, drhoffmanstore.com. And uh, with uh, the marketplace being uh, rife with copycats and counterfeits and, yeah. you know, contaminated things and sometimes right. expired things, uh, you won't get that in full script. You have the highest quality supplements, some of which are very hard to find. So go to drhoppinstore.com and check out the selection there. And to remind you, the place for questions is questions at drhoffman.net. We appreciate your questions. Thank questions you. for the radio program come to 877-726-8255 and you record a question. We'll read that on our program and answer it on the air. All right. Thanks, Layla. Until thanks, next Dr. week, don't, don't slip on the way home. Yeah, I got a shovel. Aside. Oh, you got a shovel? I got a shovel. Okay. Yes. I, don't, I think you're going to get a heart attack. I think you're no. in shape for that. I I'll think. be fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say take it easy. No. <laughs> It'll be a good, good workout. I yeah. enjoy shoveling soap. What a great workout. It's a great way to get sciatica. Not right. that I have sciatica, but you ha you people have to, will that, do that and get, get hey, with your back. what's going on? Because you get carried away. You get overzealous. Yeah. yeah. All, right. yeah. All right, enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> Be safe. 
Yep. I'm Dr. Robert Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I want to thank you for listening to the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or your favorite podcast app and get new episodes automatically downloaded every weekday. And please give us a rating and review. It truly helps new people discover Intelligent Medicine. The Intelligent Medicine Podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice and no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of information on this podcast or materials linked from this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their health care professionals for any such conditions. Finally, please visit drhoffman.com and discover everything intelligent medicine has to offer, including frequently updated, unbiased health news and fully vetted product and supplement recommendations. This is Layla Mutin, RD. I see patients regularly, along with Dr. Hoffman. If you require a nutrition consult with me but live out of town, there's no need to travel to New York City. I have telephone consultations with clients from all over the country. Please visit drhoffman.com for more information. And to set up an appointment, call 212-779-1744. That's 212-779-1744. I look forward to being a collaborator in your health care.